Welcome to the Forum at Holy Communion, a long-standing conversation about faith, life, justice, arts, culture. Each week, we will premiere a conversation on our channels, and then on the following Sunday, we join in the conversation with Q and A and a chance to engage on the topic. We're so glad you have joined us. So thank you everyone for tuning in to our adult forum conversation. Um, Eliana and I are going to be leading it and talking about the music of Christmas. And a few weeks ago, Mike preached a sermon about Advent, Christmas, and nostalgia. And he invited us to think about those topics as we go through the season. And Eliana and I thought um, that we'd like to use that sermon as a springboard for our talk about Christmas music today. We'd like to think about nostalgia and Christmas music and how Christmas music plays a role in our holiday nostalgia. And as I thought about and brainstormed about this topic, um, I kept realizing that our holiday playlists are haunted with the ghosts of Christmas's past. Not just one ghost, but many different ghosts from many different um, Christmas pasts. And I thought we could spend some time today meeting these ghosts and introducing our own to each other when we have a live conversation on Sunday. And so in this video, um, we thought that we would start very broadly and panoramically and then gradually zoom in onto some specific songs that connect us with um, the topic of Christmas nostalgia. And so to start at the most panoramic and, um, and, and broad, broad level of this topic, Christmas music has thick, intricately interlaced connections to the past, sometimes the very recent past, sometimes the much deeper past. The word carol itself, um, to describe a song, goes back to the Middle Ages. Um, and in the Middle Ages, carol basically meant any song that has a dance component. But in the 18th century, um, it started referring specifically to a Christmas song. So the very word Christmas carol has connections to the 1700s. Now, most of us are probably not thinking the Middle Ages when we encounter Christmas music, but what I'll bet we do notice is that so many iconic Christmas songs openly evoke the Christmas of the 19th century, of the Victorian era. Um, I will try to share some slides. Bear with me here. Um, okay, this is going to work. You would think this would be faster after two years teaching on Zoom. Here we go. Um, you should all be seeing a PowerPoint presentation. There you go. Um, but right, as I said, so much Christmas music that we sing in church and outside of church at our Advent sing-along um, that we hear on the radio openly evokes the Christmases of the 19th century. Think of all of the songs that um, describe horses and sleighs, for example, Jingle Bells, which dates from um, prior to the American Civil War. Or think about um, some of the iconic songs about Santa, um, many of which were written in the 19th century. Up on the Housetop comes from 1864. Jolly Old St. Nicholas is 1865. Um, 
And as you listen to those songs, you'll notice all of the, the toys that Santa is bringing the children in those songs um, don't require electricity or, te or digital technology. They're all songs that, they're all toys that someone could make by hand um, using, using simple non-power tools. Or even think about all of the old-fashioned Victorian English we hear in so many traditional Christmas songs that, again, we still hear, hear in church or on the radio or at sing-alongs. Um, Hark the herald angels sing. We talk about peace on earth and mercy mild. Or in O Little Town of Bethlehem, which was incidentally written by an Episcopal priest, how still we see thee lie above thy deep and dreamless sleep. Or God rest ye merry, gentlemen. Um, all of those songs briefly get us talking like people from a couple hundred years ago. And I think that's really striking. Um, think about how often in our church at Holy Communion, we use Bible translations that update the language, that make the language sound a little bit more like the way um, we 21st century parishioners talk. Um, and, and that's just a normal part of going to church and reading scripture in our present moment. Um, I have yet to hear of anyone suggesting that we should get rid of ye, thou, and thee in these Christmas songs, um, or that we should change the lyrics to um, clarify just what in the world it means by resting somebody merry. Um, that's something, that's some aspect of Christmas music that we hang on, this language from the past that puts us in, that steeps us in this older tradition. Um, and really beyond the, beyond Christmas music, so many of our Christmas traditions, our Christmas culture immerses us in the Victorian 19th century. Think of Dickens' A Christmas Carol, which literally takes us back to, um, to the Victorian times. Or think about all of the Thomas Kincaid paintings, which were huge when I was a kid, that evoke the 19th century world of horse-drawn carriages and Victorian dresses. And so when we sing this Christmas music, we feel connected to a different time, maybe even whisked out of our present day. And I think that explains some of why these songs have a particular effect on us or why even we hold on to them or what the appeal is for us. You know, for a moment, we're not in the mall, but in a beautiful snow covered landscape. Of course, today we would say, you know, not even in the mall, but um, shopping on Amazon or shopping online in general. We're not Zooming with our parents, but ensconced in a cozy, tight-knit family circle. Um, in fact, I can't resist adding this little sidebar as a historian type, um, but when I was reading around for this forum, I came across a really interesting interview with a British historian who pointed that, that even for Charles Dickens and the Victorians, um, reading and writing A Christmas Carol, Christmas was already a very nostalgic holiday. When 19th century Americans and Brits were decorating trees and shopping for presents, they were reacting against the darker world of industrialization and the way it was disrupting their communities and disrupting um, traditional ways of um, sustaining social networks 
and um, and, and living in community. Um, and so they were trying to recapture what they thought of as a simpler and cozier time. So zooming in one more step, you know, going from this really long, big historical panorama um, to a little more, um, a little narrower, more generational scope, we can feel nostalgia in our Christmas playlists um, because they make us think of the more immediate past. And I think this cartoon beautifully captures this. It's funny, but it is also true and I think really insightful. Um, just to read this for everyone, the caption reads the 20th, the 20 most played Christmas songs from the 2000 to 2009 radio airplay organized by decade of popular release. And you'll notice that they cluster in this tight knot between the 1930s and the 1970s with a peak in the 40s and 50s. And the caption at the bottom reads, every year American culture embarks on a massive project to carefully recreate the Christmases of baby boomers' childhoods. Um, and the cartoon, by the way, is um, done, uh, is part of the XKCD um, cartoon strip or, or cartoon series. And I think this captures something really important. We love these songs and we keep coming back to them not just because they're good songs, but because they're full of memories. And they don't only remind um, people who are part of the boomer generation of their childhood, um, they're perennial favorites. And so even though I am an elder millennial and not a boomer, um, these songs remind me of my childhood because they've been on the radio and they've been on playlists and they've been part of um, what my family listens to Christmas since my childhood. And so Feliz Navidad reminds me of the 1980s, even though it's a song from the 1970s. And so that's another dimension to Christmas time nostalgia, the way these songs can connect to times in our own lives and times in the lives of our own families and our own immediate communities and our own friend circles. So with that, I'm going to turn things over to Eliana. She's going to zoom in yet one more time and look at some um, at, at a specific Christmas song or two to talk about how these songs themselves are steeped in nostalgia and that in these songs, um, sounds and cultural threads of memory and nostalgia interlace. So with that, I'll turn things over to Eliana she'll talk about some music and also pose some questions that we can all think about um, in our conversation on Sunday. So with that, here you go, Eliana. So I'm going to talk about the song White Christmas, which some scholars argue kind of jump-started this whole nostalgia kick in popular Christmas music. If you remember the bar chart that Alex showed uh, of all the, the Boomer Christmas carols, um, Christmas songs, Christmas popular Christmas songs, this was kind of at the very front of that giant swell of popular songs. So this was written in 1942 by Irving Berlin for the film Holiday Inn. Um, in that movie, the characters are in California and they're reminiscing about Christmas past, perhaps in states that have snow. Um, and the most famous recording was by Bing Crosby. And 
I believe that single sold around 50 million copies. And then if you include um, covers of that song, so by other artists, we're approaching 100 million copies. So it's one of the best selling songs of all time, um, wildly popular. And I think, I mean, Irving Berlin is one of the great composer songwriters um, in, in America. Um, and I think when you look at some of the musical characteristics of this song, they evoke nostalgia in some really interesting ways musically. So if we think about the building blocks of music as being a scale or a key, if we're in C major on the piano, you will only play the white keys. You'll only be on the white keys, you won't touch the black, the smaller black keys. Um, and this song doesn't start on the C, which is fine, it's pretty normal, but it also, if you listen to the melody, um, it kind of meanders around and it doesn't go back to the C. So if we're in C major, that C feels like home. That feels like where you want to land. Um, and this song kind of meanders around and it doesn't go back to the C until the end of the phrase. It takes a while to get there. And it gives you this sense of kind of reminiscing, um, kind of dreaming, if you will. Um, and as the melody's wandering around, it's doing so with a bunch of half steps. So it, in C major, you should only be playing in the white keys if you're staying in the key. And this one is using a lot of those black keys and just kind of going in these little small motions. So again, it's this dreamlike thing. Um, and it's also, if you're looking at what the left hand of the piano is doing or the chords, there, um, Berlin writes a lot of harmonies whose only function is to lead to other harmonies. So it feels kind of uh, uneasy or, or it's always in motion. So if we look at a piano, um, if we start singing the melody here on this note, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. So if you look, I only moved by half step here. Every time I move the cursor or move my finger if I'm playing piano, I'm moving just the next adjacent note. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Now, if I was going to um, invent a different melody for this that's a little more standard or more diatonic, we would call it. Um, maybe I would do a little scale, maybe I would skip around a little bit. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Um, so I'm not Irving Berlin, that doesn't sound as good, but it's a little more standard or um, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, right? That's just a little more typical instead of just kind of going around like this. Now, harmonically, um, don't get too freaked out if you are not used to looking at a piano diagram or a chord chart, but you can see that in the second bar of this piece, um, we're using four different chords and they're all what we call applied chords. So to, to give you a sense of, of why this sounds different, I'm gonna first play an unrelated song. I'm gonna play you Here Comes Santa Claus so you can get a sense of what a more standard chart would sound like or just more traditional chord progression. So here's here comes Santa Claus. It's also in C major. So C chord, G chord, end with a C chord. Now let's contrast this with White Christmas. Here we are. 
So you can see, um, if you look at how this would be played on the piano, you have more notes that are next to each other, which adds this uh, dissonance. So the notes are kind of, um, the, the tones are kind of almost scraping up against each other uh, tonally, whereas in a regular C major chord, there's some more spacing. It feels more open um, and more consonant, so so less less dissonant, less of that kind of rubbing up against each other. And the melody is also rubbing up against each other with all those half steps, right? Um, so let's listen to this one more time and just kind of listen for how those those notes, they're just kind of moving on towards something else. There's not a sense that we're stable where we are. And then here too. Now, okay, this is a pretty normal chord for another apply chord. So we finally get a little bit of resolution here, um, but the beginning, again, it's this kind of meandering around. So um, I think the way that Berlin does this is really very clever because the song, you know, the characters are in this setting in California. Um, so they're in their moment, but they're also, so they have kind of one step in the past, one foot in the past and one foot in the present which is really what nostalgia is. You can't live in the past, um, but you can kind of visit it. And I think a lot of the Christmas music we listen to and a lot of the ways that we choose to revisit specific songs um, evokes the sense of, of visiting the past. So here's a couple of questions that you can think about for our discussion on Saturday. What Christmas make music makes you feel nostalgic? or just connected to the past? And is it your past, your family's past, uh, culture's past, something else? What Christmas songs make Christmas for you in or outside of church? So if, if um, you know, Holy Communion was to decide, you know, we're not doing Silent Night this year, or we're not doing, wh which songs uh, or song do you feel is indispensable if we took that out of the Christmas or Advent season, it just wouldn't feel like the season anymore? And lastly, what are your favorite or least favorite remixes of classic Christmas songs? The remix is a huge thing in popular Christmas music and, and you know, some better than others. So it's a, a fun thing to think about. So I hope you enjoyed our presentation and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.